0: The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not that of the GUI Media Network or associated brands and sponsors. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity, because clothing is a prison and society will not cage me.
1: a world with too many reboots and remakes. Two men will stop at nothing to make it even worse. This, this is Smack My Pitch
0: geeks and welcome to another episode of Smack My Pitch Up, the podcast that reboots, remakes, reimagines, sequels, cycles, and adapts some of your favorite and least favorite properties from film and television and what have you. And as always, i got my co-host here, Dundee. Bobby, come out to
2: play!
0: That line is so iconic. There are people that have never even heard of
3: this movie that know <laughs> that line. It's... Yeah, it is. It's crazy. It, it, well, it's been parodied a lot of places, too. You yeah, know, oh, yeah. like several generations of parody without context. So somebody saw the parody, and then the person who grew up with the parody, not the original, was parodying the parody. So I, I feel like it's old enough and cult classic enough that people know it from that. Like Kind of like Soylent Green is People. Yeah, exactly. People know the line without the context. And that's a feeling that I'm
0: starting to get with a lot of movies that I grew up with where we were making a direct reference from the movie, but then movies have now made references from the movies we grew up with, and the younger uh-huh. generation are making references from the references, and uh-huh. it's so removed that they're like, what What do you mean batteries not included? I don't know what that movie is. You know, there, there's, <laughs> there's this disconnect. And yeah, I guess- It's, the it's war- pop
3: culture hurting our feelings. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and this- was one of those movies that it didn't quite hit the, uh, the popular culture of things, but it absolutely did uh, find its way into the, the zeitgeist a little bit. Uh, yeah. Very, very cult classic, very cult classic. We're of course talking about the warriors uh, from, uh, Oh God, when did this come out? Like 78, or 81,
3: something. 81 uh, okay. is like, it, well, maybe it was because re- I did, I did see something saying it was released in the late 70s but i also saw something that said it was released in 81 so it could have been 78 Uh, there's a re-release it's not a huge release so some of those movies the technical
0: release date depends on where you were and uh what what you call official but it hit oklahoma in 81 exactly right yeah the midwest finally (laughs) got to see what it was like on the tough streets
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah the the interesting conception of the tough streets uh Walter Hill the director of this did a lot of interesting tough streets conceptions uh he was the director of Streets of Fire which if you have not had the chance to see Streets of Fire it's criminally
0: unknown like it, it <laughs> the movie nerds know it but that's about it and it is incredible it's it is interesting <laughs> it is interesting uh the warriors also has just some some things that uh borderline exploitation like crime gr- gritty movies weren't really doing at the time uh like matching outfits
3: that wasn't uh, <laughs> really yeah it's it's conception of uh, of what street toughs are is uh is interesting the the whole thing is very village people if you take every scene in an 80s movie like
0: a popular 80s movie uh where there's like a punk on a bus or the subway that's like hey man Give me them groceries, man. <laughs> and he has like a switchblade. Everybody's like, got a
3: switchblade. Always got a switchblade. And he's like, You're it you a switchblade with your outfit.
0: And he's like, tough punk. Uh, that is what this movie is, basically. It's just a bunch of He-Man <laughs> Switchblade fighting movie. And it's it, glorious. It's
3: gang warfare, but all the gangs are various theater kids. Right. It's like if the Jets
0: and Sharks invited all their other animal friends over t- to have a dance party. <laughs> um
3: panthers meow yeah right
0: uh so there's a number of different gangs in this now the the basic setup of this movie if you're not familiar and it's not a complicated plot so i would say that even if you haven't seen this i'd say check it out if you can before this recording but it's not there's no heavy twists that happen here that uh that you're gonna be are gonna be ruined for you by no it's it's very straightforward pretty straightforward there's all these rival gangs that have been fighting in the streets of New York forever. And there's one gang uh, with one leader who is trying to unite the gangs. They're like, we are more powerful than the cops if we work together. And a lot of these gangs are on board. They're like, you know what? That's fair. Um, as long as we get our cut, we're good. They all meet in what, Central Park to have this conversation. Yeah, something like that. Something like Central Park. Have this conversation. That's uh, the line, can you dig it? Comes from <laughs> that moment. It's brilliant. It's it's incredible. It's kind of awesome, yeah. Yeah. And I'm getting like revved up in those scenes whenever I watch it. Like, even re-watching it for this episode, I was just like, oh, yeah, let's take on the cops. You know, like I was ready. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, there's there's a, a gang that decides that they're going to fuck with shit, and they they kill dude. They kill the... the the, the leader, can you dig it guy, Cyrus. The can dig it, it guy, yeah. He has a name. I know he does. Uh, it's not. Cyrus. Cyrus, that's right. The murder immediately gets blamed on the warriors, which are from Coney Island, which if you are familiar with New York, is very far away from uh, Central Park. It's on the other side of the city. It's uh, That's how you can have a gauntlet. Yeah, exactly. You can't have a gauntlet if it's like the next two stops over that they go that'd be like the short film version of the warriors where they get off like two stops down the subway. They fight like one gang and that's it. Boring movie. Uh so yeah, you, and there's there are 25 gangs in this movie that are mentioned by name. I did not go through the 25. For <laughs> the uh it's for this.
3: it's it's so ridiculous. It is so like I know it's supposed to be gritty and maybe it, it it represents the grim and gritty of the era, but it's so it's a silly ass. It's really a silly ass movie.
0: It's silly, yes, it's very, very (laughs) silly. It's one of those movies that somebody saw like a clockwork orange in the seventies and they're like gangs with costumes. That's brilliant. Uh, Let me make it gritty so that it fits in the New York city. And then there's either that or they watched Batman 66. Right. And they were like, oh, look at the henchmen. That's great. Yeah. Just the, imagine just a bunch of henchmen gangs running running around. And it's just people <laughs> with like, face paint and like matching outfits. And it's very wonderful in its silliness. But it's not gritty, really. It's got a couple moments, but for the most part. Ugh. So the Warriors are on their way to Coney Island. They're trying to make it home where they see it as safety. And in the meantime, uh, the... Gramercy Riffs, who are the gang that are kind of organizing all the other gangs, who has Cyrus, who who gets killed, uh, they're, they believe that it was the Warriors' fault. There's a DJ that's speaking on the radio, letting people know where the Warriors might be, and there's like a price on their head, and everybody's trying to get the Warriors. Where in reality, the rogues are the gang that, uh, <laughs> that, that killed Cyrus and are responsible for it. The rogues are trying to kill the Warriors before the Warriors can rat out the rogues
3: i don't Ooh, remember because intrigue because did the warriors know directly before the end of the movie like other people did, did the did, did the warriors know that the rogues were the ones who killed sorry i don't think they did if i remember correctly, i think they did see them kill yeah because they
0: were right next to the rogues that's why the rogues blamed the warriors is because the warriors saw them do it if i remember yeah
3: correctly. but they never mentioned that they never mentioned that the rogues are the ones who did it until the end of the movie, where the rogues show up and they're like, and "They're like, why'd you do it, man?" And in I thought it perfect... was contexted.
0: Yeah, no, it was not mentioned before then, I don't think, but uh, I, I, I love the greatest excuse ever. I actually do love this because it's like people just do dumb shit sometimes. He's like, <laughs> "We just, we just felt like it. Like it wasn't politically <laughs> motivated. It wasn't because they disagreed with Cyrus. They were like, we just act like doing stuff like that."
3: Yeah, he's he's the I like to do bad things kid.
0: Yeah, great. Yeah, he's he's the kid that likes to burn stuff. And you're like, why yeah. are you burning stuff? He's like, because it's fun. And you're like, okay, cool.
3: <laughs> yeah, that dude was ridiculous. That yeah. actor was ridiculous. He was having so much fun in that
0: role. And uh, I think it's part of the reason why this movie is a classic. But with this, I mean, this is such a irresponsible film to try to remake because of the number of people that are in this. It's such an ensemble piece.
3: Yeah, and- I hated that. I hated that so much. Uh, So much.
0: I had to take a totally different approach to my normal style of casting, which then also changed kind of my ideas on what to do with this film. So I have two fucking weird choices here uh, for my remaking or definitely a reimagining of the Warriors here. Uh Did you kind of stick to, I don't know, like nice costumes and and grit or what?
3: Is it a 70s period piece or did you modernize this? Uh, So... My film is modernized. It still moves in the same way. Like if the script were beat for beat, it would basically be the same movie, but it's modern and the context of everything is completely different. Okay.
0: Uh, my context is definitely different as well. Uh, I think the, the like gangs thing is, I don't know how that really translates to 2022. Really?
3: I try I had- problems with the uh, the whole conception as well yeah. like um the big thing for me was and i don't know even what it's like in the modern time but there was a switchover from and this was before the warriors before the warriors period of time there was a switchover from street gangs being uh just a group that either protected their turf or their neighborhood and then might have done like stick ups and like petty larceny or whatever to being the protection arm of the drug trade is what street gangs became mm-hmm. became more organized and more like more m- martial basically mm-hmm. they're not the same thing like the fact that there's only one or maybe two guns in the whole movie just super odd to me and the fact that these gangs aren't organized around anything like gangs are organized around yeah turf or territory or whatever but it's around acquisition in the modern time About protecting the money coming in from the drug Mm -hmm. trade. So, yeah, it felt like nonsense to me. It felt like it was probably people remembering the New York of a different time. Mm -hmm. Like in New York City, in the city proper, I'm sure that there were like housing developments and projects and stuff where people of various races were kind of crowded together, poor people. But I feel like uh, a lot of the white folks moved out of those areas way before the warriors period of time sure so you have gangs that are very racially centralized um like i was talking to my girlfriend she's from new york about what street gangs looked like in her era and she's like no it was as far as is white people coming together to do a thing gang-wise it was mostly like we hate the other people that live in the other areas that's sure. what their gangs came around yeah uh, came together around so uh, yeah, the the white gangs were the ones
0: that had like surprisingly short haircuts. <laughs> yeah.
3: Uh, yeah, they were like like Italians or skinheads. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that was kind of a challenge to
0: figure out how to do that. I think I found my lead in is that they don't, I guess, gangs, but not like street gangs. I is uh-huh. that the difference there that I did is uh, I'm sure. Yes, there are still uh, gangs. There are groups of people that commit crime, uh, but it's not mm-hmm. the same as it was like this movie portrays like it was in the 70s or the 80s it's it's a survival tactic and also like not something that i really want
3: to sensationalize in that way and well you know the book was written in the mid-60s and it's probably based off of a conception of gangs from like the from the fonzie era because you know fonzie was basically in a a street gang a so it's it's based on a conception that is rooted in even an even older conception of what street gangs and, and gang crime is. Sure. When you're looking at post-World War
0: II, there were a lot of uh, soldiers that came back from the war that felt kind of directionless and also had that mm-hmm. taste of like normal life just didn't really fit into their experience anymore. And so that's when the birth of like biker culture. really Bikers. Started. Yeah. And you're seeing a lot of people like um picking up all the, what they have and going on the road and, Uh, Joining other bikers and getting by through... Yeah, drug trade was a big part of it. Um, Arms dealing was a big part of it. And uh, that fed into gangs in general to have some sort of, like, affiliation. Uh, Uh But, yeah, that that was by the 70s and 80s, that level of, like, having a brand uh, got to, at best, having, like, a common color that was, like, to represent who you affiliate with. But besides that, it was not some you know, stenciling logos on backs of jackets and shit. Like, that was not...
3: <laughs> Unless you were a Hells Angel, but by then it was like an incorporated brand. Sure. The
0: Hells yeah, exactly. Angels. <laughs> uh, by the 70s, the Hells Angels were literally, but literally did security for a Rolling Stones concert. So,
1: like,
0: that's, uh, it's a different animal. Uh, not to say that they there weren't still a, and still are some things probably going on in that realm that are uh, not, not exactly above board,
3: but Oh, they controlled the meth trade back then. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, they, the, the guys in the gang got older. It became no longer just a street gang. You got to make practical decisions for your thug family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> practical decisions for my thug family,
0: yes. Um, so for mine, I, I'm i just going to dive into mine because uh, it, uh-huh. it shouldn't take too long. There's a lot of, a lot of names to list, but uh, I decided instead of casting in the way that I normally do, where it's the main characters going through and just hitting seven of the you know most important characters it was the different groups that were kind of important in this like swan is important he's the leader of the warriors and all that but like he's he's not that important you know like the 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 gang is the important part their their affiliation together how they fight together and so i thought yeah how can i incorporate uh, groups of people that i we know that are familiar with one another in a way that they're the different gangs and then I started thinking about Anchorman uh, and the famous uh, Anchorman fight between all the different <laughs> news channels. And I'm like, there's something there. brilliant. There's something there. Uh, and so I decided that the the So story... you're bringing in swinging Will Smith too. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, <laughs> he's mysteriously absent from this adaptation. Um, so my idea is that we set it in modern day New York, where the splinter factions that we deal with aren't street gangs at this point, but political affiliations. And more so than any other uh, overarching politic b- uh, group is like Democrats and, and left-leaning tend to have very specific things that they're fighting for, whether it be legalization of marijuana or, or, or gay rights or uh, the Gre- Green New Deal. And all of these are very important, but they're so fractured from one another that there's not a lot of chance for them to get along and actually like join together and do something um there's a lot of uh-huh. inf- a lot of infighting that's happening so i'm taking the inspiration from the original warriors and applying it to a fractured and broken political system and uh, infighting that happens uh within a, a singular party and uh so these are all different groups that um are supporting different like lobbies that are fighting in, in new york city there's a big protest happening uh to fight against like an oncoming war that should be happening, you know, that we're about to go into and whether or not to go into war and whether or not, uh, to, to take money out of certain budgets and lobbyists are going crazy. And it's kind of like Seattle, uh, back when the WTO was doing stuff and there was like, Oh
3: yeah. the, uh, the, the no go zone or whatever.
0: Yeah. So it's got that kind of energy going on for it. And it's just these like politicos, it's lobbyists. It's, uh, it's politically motivated people, reporters that are all kind of part of these different groups. <laughs> and so the Warriors are actually just like these seasoned um like activists and uh, and lobbyists that are like trying to do like the Green New Deal. They're trying to like protect the environment. They've been through it. they've They've been ridden hard and put away wet. They're uh, but they're still like in the game. they're they're not burned out yet. They're still believing what they believe in the Gramercy riffs are like the old head near retirement. They're trying to get the new big hitters in town to like rally together to try to actually stand up together and get stuff done. Uh, uh-huh. The rogues are just the, like I would say wall street bro type uh, lobby contingency Uh-huh. that, yeah, just very kind of Wolf of wall street. Uh, you know, just like really uh, alpha male energy, you know, toxic male kind of vibe to them. Then there's the turnbill ACs, which the only thing that they had going for them in the original, I think it was a bus, right? Yeah. They were like bald, the slow
3: moving bus, the slow moving
0: bus of bald dudes, I think was the only thing. (laughs) Um, so sure. We'll just make them, we'll make them all balding, but prematurely balding, not like shaved head balding, but like (laughs) horseshoe
3: balding. Yeah. Like me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then we've got the orphans, um, which are just like a kind of a gaggle of the leftovers that get thrown together of just all the the forgotten ones and then the baseball furies these are the the big badasses the billy really badasses of uh uh-huh. the groups that are coming after the the warriors uh they're uh big tobacco they're big firearms they're <laughs> you know, they're, they're the big heavy duty lobbies that are coming after them then we've got the lizzies and that is pussy hats that is women's rights, uh, body autonomy, like stuff that... You know, what's that,
3: that's, like uh, second wave feminism?
0: I think so, yeah. Yeah, something. Yeah. That's what's funny is a lot of this stuff is stuff I actually like, do care about and do believe in, but tone is to be this like absurdist lens on extreme micro-advocacy, <laughs> where it's this one, <laughs> one issue, and that's the only issue that I'm going to focus on and no other issue, and then everything else becomes almost a a challenge to you your voice being heard um, is kind of the point of this film. So just to go through, so it's a political film. It's making some politi- political points about like sometimes you've got to be able to compromise with people to get anything done, and sometimes it's with people that you actually agree with. You just have to like give just enough. And but it's also going to be very funny uh, for the Warriors. So I, I'm getting the a, a few of the regular hitters from the Judd Apatow crew to show up for this. Uh, we've got. Seth Rogen, Jonah Hill, Jay Baruchel, Martin Starr, Jason Segel, and Christopher mintz Plus as the Warriors.
3: Yeah, that's that sounds about right. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, I could see that. <laughs> and they're they're the like the the new hot kids in town. Uh, they still they haven't burned out quite yet, but they're seasoned enough that people know not to mess with them. You know, they got that green New Deal energy. You know. Um, <laughs> and then the Gramercy riffs, the old heads, the ones that, you know, c- can tell them young whippersnappers a thing or two, uh, about what it's like in the, in the, uh, trenches. We've got the Adam McKay crowd. Uh, we've got Will Ferrell, Paul Rudd, Steve Carell, Tim Beddows, Vince Vaughn, and John C. Riley. I'm loving it. So these are, you know, comedic actors that I've loved for decades that are, you know, in their fifties or sixties and. Uh, have served their time for sure, but still keep coming out and just killing it, killing the game. So I
3: feel like this movie got made a decade ago and I missed it. I just missed it. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> uh, then we've got the the rogues and that's the uh, Wall Street energy douche bro kind of vibe. And I thought it would be really fun to see what Broken Lizard could do with that. So we've got uh, Jay <laughs> Shandasekar, Kevin Heffernan, Paul Stoder... Steve Lemmy, Eric Stol, uh, Stolansky, and and then threw in Brian Cox for good measure uh <laughs> since he was in in uh, Super Troopers. uh uh-huh. Just to be the like douchebag slick back hair like lobby for Wall Street kind of the JP Morgan and uh lobbyist people in the uh in the movie. But that
3: Gordon Gecko American Psycho
0: energy. Yeah, and just let him just let him go big. Let him just do fucking all of that and I think it would be so <laughs> they would have so much fun with it and I I'm here for it. Uh then we've got the Turnbill ACs, these are the balding ones, and uh, they're gonna be awkward and weird, um and not in a lot of the movies, so I wanted a contingency that can do a lot with a little. Uh so I decided to do Mike Judge's uh regular hitters from some of his movies. So we've got Ron Livingston, Jason Bateman, TJ Miller, Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Kumail Nanjiani and Jimmy O Yang as the uh, as the Turnbill ACs.
3: That's awesome. I think your movie just got cancelled. Just got cancelled? Because of T.J. Miller? just T.J. Miller?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Damn, dude. Well, trust me, like, this is a budget they wouldn't be able to afford anyway with all these actors. Are you kidding me? Um,
3: You you can shoot the movie and then you have to go back and replace uh, T.J. Miller with Tig Notaro after the movie's already shot. (laughs) You have to green screen Tignataro in. Uh, they make the
0: uh, accidental choice of just replacing uh, T.J. Miller with all the footage they took out of Aquaman two of Amber Heard, and, and then <laughs> yeah. they have to replace that. <laughs> <laughs> She's a
3: monster.
0: <laughs> uh, then she should she should have been on the uh, on the the Rogues team, I think, uh, with all the Wall Street dudes. If if uh, we're talking monsters oh, yeah. here, but uh, oh yeah, yeah. So that's the Turbulencies, the Orphans. I wanted the weird ones that they're they're funny, they're uh, they're respected, but they're definitely not playing in the same spaces of comedy as the uh, as the other people like Apatow and McKaig. They can kind of like intermingle. Broken Lizard can jump into mm-hmm. some stuff, but uh, Wes Anderson's tribe is doing a totally different type of comedy uh, than the rest <laughs> of them. It's, it's like affluent, quiet white humor and. Uh, <laughs> So for for that, of course, Wes Anderson's regular hitters, Jason Schwartzman, Bill Murray, Luke and Owen Wilson, Angelica Houston, and Willem Dafoe as the orphans
3: uh, gang. <laughs> the geriatric orphans. <laughs> the geriatric
0: orphans. <laughs> We're looking for mummies and daddies. I just want to see like Bill Murray sitting there just like eating a bag of popcorn and then Jason Swartzman, just like, oh, we just need to be taken seriously. And everyone's like, you're not, you're not. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, then the Baseball Furies. This was very fun to cast because there are a few comedic actors that uh, are also like built like a brick shit house, Um mm-hmm. or actors that can do comedy really well that are very, very muscular. And so <laughs> I just like.
3: So it's just all carrot top. Just and
0: infinite carrot top. Just one carrot top, actually. I did add him <laughs> uh, to this. <laughs> so good, good on you for that. Uh, it's carrot top, Terry Crews, uh, Chris Hemsworth, Dave Batista, John Cena, and The Rock.
3: Yeah, how perfect could you, can you get? I mean, and I
0: think I even listed them from like small to big, <laughs>
1: uh,
0: like in order. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be just really funny that they've got that like badass energy where they're just they're coming after him with baseball bats and they've got their faces half painted and they're coming after the uh the warriors uh during this whole like standoff thing that's happening yeah it's just the the biggest action stars that and carrot top that you could hope for (laughs) and then finally the
3: that's too scary for this fun movie yeah no shit
0: right (laughs) could you imagine being like the fucking mike judge crew and then, and then the, the, the baseball furies show up, uh, like all like
3: 18 feet tall, like brick, yeah. brick shit house, having Jason Bateman trying to talk him down. Right. And, and ended up ending up looking like the Dave Chappelle attacker. <laughs> oh shit. Like he comes off as condescending even
0: when he doesn't intend to be. So yeah. Yeah. That's not, well, that's his bag. That's his, uh, his acting bag. That's not niche. your your uh your group's bard. Uh that's not <laughs> who you send out to negotiate. Uh finally we got the Lizzie's. And so I just I picked some like amazing uh comedic actresses to be in the Lizzie's gang. Uh, so of course Tina Fey and Amy Pola are in there that seemed like a, a no brainer. We also got Kristen Wiig, Rashida Jones, Leslie Jones, and Christian Stahl. And nice. I think for even as small a role as the Lizzie's role is, that powder keg of funny would probably be the scene stealer in a fucking half against all these other ones that are like trying to individually smirk at the screen those ladies would just be fucking blow it out of the park I think um,
3: yeah uh, this this is really interesting are you imagining this as a series of comedic encounters with each one individually or does the overarching plot have them all come together and be like um, part of the whole story um, I was thinking that the
0: barest of chances of this being made. Uh, having individual <laughs> encounters is a better choice because there's a lot of favors that can be called in for this kind of movie that people would be like, okay, so it's only like four days of shooting. Yeah, I can I can block off four days to come in there and just do like, mm-hmm. you know, a 10 minute scene and then call it a day. Uh, and you've got enough people that, it, I mean, imagine two hours of this. I mean, if this was all on the screen at the same time for even a a 10 minute portion of this movie, it's too much. It's too many fucking people. It's... it's The most expensive movie ever made with no CGI. Exactly. <laughs> so individual, individual experiences, a little bit of overlap, just like in the original movie that I think it's what the orphans and the Lizzie's, I think, in, are around each other at the same time. There's some back and forth. Of course, the Gramercy riffs and the rogues and the warriors are all there at the same time. So there's some of that. But mm-hmm. um, also just seeing that broken lizard the Adam McKay crowd and the Judd Apatow crowd all on the screen at the same time, just doing their thing would be fucking amazing. Oh, definitely. It would be interesting to kind of play up what was so funny about the anchorman fight scene who, uh, Adam McKay is the director that seemed like a no brainer. Mm -hmm. It's political. It's funny. Um, he did anchorman as well. And you play up the political angle. You play up the, the silliness that was in the, anchorman fight scene but then with these little individual dips in between the fights where you have these actors being able to just have their like spotlight moment where they just do like a riff they do a thing they have like a smaller not group ensemble moment and just let them fucking fly and I think you're going to get some magic out of it Um, you're going to have some actors for sure that are like worth way more than they're getting on screen where they're on there and they have like one line and that's it and the joke is that they're there and they have one line yeah
3: But but with uh, with an Adam McKay movie where (laughs) I think he does a lot of even though it's scripted, letting people just do their thing, and so people (laughs) that are very experienced as actors tend to bring out their natural charm if they know what they make their money off of doing their natural charm thing. So yeah, I think that would work out and also extraordinarily you're,
0: well you're getting these improvisational actors they're all good at improving on set and you get them to face each other in like a standoff fight uh so they're gonna be doing that same thing with their wit as well and just bringing like just trying to outdo each other with the most ridiculous shit you can think of um so i i could see this being just like almost too funny with the just like there wouldn't be the breaks that you need in between laughter because everybody's just uh-huh. like going full speed ahead with this. So I don't know. Too many I... big guns trying to outshoot each other. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I kind of want to see what that looks like and it might be a train wreck, but fuck, it will be a fun train wreck. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, it's basically the warriors plot, but it, instead of like gangs fighting over who killed the, uh, the Cyrus, it was bringing all the gangs together. It was a, uh, you know, a politician that was shot and it being blamed on, the warriors contingency of like green new mm-hmm. deal people and, uh, them trying to get away while other people are trying to use them getting caught as like an angle for their own advocacy that they're doing. So they're, everybody's trying to, and of course, instead of the radio DJ person, it's a, it's a fucking like Alex Jones live streamer type that's out there. that's <laughs> trying to like chase him down on live TV. So, and you can even have yeah, that, that would as JK Simmons, uh, and he can do basically the same thing he's doing in the Spider-Man universe right now. Uh, and that's so, who came to mind immediately.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, you know, th- that's how they did politics in the Gangs of New York era, anyway. So they they're and even after that, there's a precedent for that kind of thing. Yep. Politics through the the bat, through the the stickball bat. <laughs> and there's still some the countries that type. do that. So, oh yeah, yeah sometimes ours yeah
0: uh well i mean the way things are going but that's a <laughs> that's a different podcast
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh so yeah that's my my fucking train wreck of a uh, comedy take on the warriors what do you got for yours
3: all right so like i said i i really had some trouble uh latching onto this and it was the whole gang thing just didn't work for me so i uh i kind of called an audible and uh you know if you've never listened to our podcast before we do some mashups as part of the, uh, the format. So I just, I just decided to start with the mashup. Okay. Basically my movie is a sequel to the purge movies. It's uh, okay. The purge, the warriors. And so you'll see some characters from some of the other one character in particular, but you'll see some characters from some of the other purge movies come in. And basically, in in response to the purge day um, and the new founding fathers' initiative to, you know, purge sin through excess, groups have sprung up in, in various communities that their whole thing is they train all year to protect their community, like gangs, like gangs of old. They 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 just gather together to protect their community. They're martial. They're well trained. Uh, they're ready to to kill on purge night because you can, but in defense, they're not going out and killing random people. Sure. They're killing in defense of their community. And as this movement has grown to have like a community defense force, basically the community defense force is loosely organized in a specific area. They have a community meeting of the community defense forces under those circumstances, the leader of the community defense force in that area, which is loosely around New York, gets murdered uh the leader gets murdered off screen because the leader is uh the leader of what was functionally that in the actual purge movies and that actor is dead um was michael kenneth williams was uh carmelo johns and in the purge anarchy he was like the the quiet viral leader of an anti-purge movement Mm, okay yeah so uh, he was the, he's the head of this, this organizing principle. He's murdered. They think it's the warriors who were uh, just another community defense force. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the, the warriors. It was a plant gang. So somebody who else, somebody else who looks like uh, a community defense force, but is not, they are placed there by the money and influence of the founding fathers to mm. uh, shake up and destroy the organization of these uh, community defenders i i don't know that seems a little
0: more complicated than i don't know we just like doing stuff like that
3: <laughs> yeah. uh... so they uh they spend the night trying to both fend off purgers both individual and organized and other community defense forces that are coming after them for killing uh, Carmelo Johns. um so as uh my warriors as the leader of the g riffs or the they're just called the g riffs they're not the Gramercy Rifts. riffs uh is um a character who was in what was it called the first purge he rose over the course of the movie from being a gang leader to being like a leader leader oh right okay yeah. putting him in a position that he was probably doing something like this after that movie uh is elan noel dimitri uh, I forget what his character's name is, but he will be the leader of the Gramercy Riffs. So everybody, you know, the scenes that cut back to him as they're trying to find the warriors to the e- through the evening, mm-hmm. that'll be him. Nice. And then for my warriors, this is what made this project difficult. I already was having trouble latching onto it, and then finding these appropriately young actors for like a gang style thing. Uh, it it hurt. It broke me. <laughs> But uh, going through the characters, uh, first cast, I I cast Rembrandt. Uh, Rembrandt is significant to me in the original Warriors movies because the actor that played Rembrandt is one of the two actors that I actually recognize from that movie. Uh, And he played one of the members of the Bloodhound gang on 321 Contact. Really? Like, yeah, he was one of the members (laughs) of the Bloodhound gang. So PBS guy, uh, very gay unfortunately died of AIDS in like 86. Oh. So he, he was taken way too soon but uh, as Rembrandt we have Jaden Smith so he's the tagger guy, Jaden Smith. As Vermin who was a significant character, he didn't do a specific thing, he was just around for the the full movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have from Cobra Kai, uh, he plays Robbie, is Tanner Buchanan. Okay, yeah. Uh, as Ajax, who is the rapist dude who got off really easy in the warriors. Like when the police came and got him, I was like, wow, you got off really easy. Cause you could have easily been murdered by anybody in this yep. entire movie, including your own guys. <laughs> and nobody right. would have batted an eyelash. Um, and actually James Remar, I believe is the actor who played him. And that's the only other actor I recognized in the warriors. Um, he's played a bunch of stuff. He was like Raiden Two, And, um, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Oh wow! I think I
0: blocked all of that movie out of my brain at this point.
3: He was the uh, he was the Alfred like character in uh, the Black Lightning on the Black Lightning TV show. He's he's been in a bunch of stuff throughout his career. But uh, as Ajax, I have Cameron Monaghan. Now you probably don't know that name because I only recognize him from one thing. But he was basically the Joker on Gotham. He played oh, okay. a character called Jeremiah. And then later on, he played Jeremiah's twin brother after Jeremiah was murdered. And they're both basically proto-Jokers. Yep. So he's Ajax. As Swan, I have uh, somebody a little bit more famous. uh, One Direction's Harry Styles (laughs) is Swan. Wow. And you may know him as uh, Star Fox from The Eternals, if you were able to sit all the way through that boring-ass movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was in Dunkirk. And I'm sure he's been in some other stuff, but those are his big appearances, uh, Dunkirk and, and the Eternals. Two slow-ass movies. Although I will say, though Dunkirk was slow, still very I, I liked Dunkirk a lot. Yeah, I liked it a lot. It's beautiful. I, it's very slow-paced, but it's tension. It's style over substance. Yeah, like, like uh, what's-his-face, um, his, his clockwork movies, that is like the uh, the apotheosis of of the, the clockwork nature of the movies that he makes. And I... I I love it. I think Dunkirk is awesome. Um, For Cochise, which was the black guy who got more screen time than the other black guys, uh, (laughs) we have (laughs) none of them had like a super significant role. But Cochise is the black guy who got the most screen time of out of all the black guys. That's
0: what's funny is like this is like gangs in the like late 70s, early 80s in New York City. And like Cyrus is a black dude that's like bringing all the gangs together with like, can you dig it? And they're like, y- y- sure, yeah, no, I can. Like four other black dudes. <laughs>
3: like yeah. in this whole movie. Well, the 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 leader of the uh, the the initial leader of the warriors was black, but they take him off. They like t- just take him out. They take him out, and he's taken out off screen. Yeah, like you're like this guy is significant. Give him at least a warrior's death or something. No, they just yeah. they just take him out, and he's just gone from the movie. He demanded too much fruit um, craft
0: services, so they just kicked him off the movie. Yeah.
3: <laughs> you had two hot dogs. And you're only supposed to have one right. and a fruit cup. He's like, I want two fruit cups.
0: And they're like, oh, You're out. <laughs> we get Swan to do it.
3: <laughs> you were supposed to leave pineapple for everybody else. You took too much pineapple. But as my coach, uh Ashton Sanders. Uh, Ashton Sanders played the middle age version of uh, Sharon from uh, Moonlight. So you have the the little kid version, the high school version, the adult version. He was the high school version. Okay, okay. I mean, he's like twenty eight or something now, but it, at the time, you yeah. know, he was he was very young. Um, as Mercy, and in my movie, Mercy is actually a member of the Warriors. She's not like a prostitute that they kind of bring in or is fawning after one sure. of the Warriors. As Mercy, I have Yara Shahidi, nice. who is uh, yeah, she's from Blackish. And uh, what's her show? Groanish. Groanish. Yeah, I've, I think I've cast her in yeah. a couple of things. Great actress. Yeah. Um Yeah. Especially for. Her she's age. Very pretty. And uh, yeah, she's a good actress. The only other person I cast is the villain, the main villain, which is mm-hmm. Luther, and that is uh, Montana Jordan, and he's the older brother on Young Sheldon. I've not watched a single moment of Young Sheldon, so I have no frame of reference. Um, I've I- seen a little bit, but uh, at that point, I was. Well, you know how hard it is to, like, just recognize actors as they're growing? Like, unless you watch TV, because that's where these people start, I don't watch any TV, then you don't get to see these actors grow to the point where they get to take on movie roles. And uh, so finding actors under 30, I was going to say, like, under 25, but now it's, like, finding actors under 30 is hard as fuck.
0: Yeah, well, especially uh, the actors under 30 that are, you know, worth their their salt uh you don't want to keep reusing them and stuff
3: <laughs> you need a, yeah. like,
0: a bigger cycle of and just younger actors there's the ones that everybody pins their stuff to and then there's all the other actors that are in like one thing and you don't know the face
3: and it's yeah it it takes time for somebody to uh to, to find their project that boom blows them out across the landscape but uh basically uh in my movie in my story the warriors do survive the night at the end of the movie, uh, as the the Purge, end of the Purge klaxon is ringing, they find and kill, not just the warriors, but all of the community organizations find and kill the infiltrators, knowing that they were actually the ones who uh, killed the Cyrus character, Carmelo Johns. Nice. The Purge is over. The traitors have been dealt with. Happy ending? No, because the new founding fathers uh drone strike the area that all of the community uh leaders are in and kill them because the purge must continue and they're the people in power so sure that that's the end of the movie
0: damn you nuked (laughs) them yeah did you just pull the end of the return of the living dead movie or just just nuke them that's fine (sighs)
3: so i've got this thing where and it's it's not healthy but i feel like just uh a sad ending or an unhappy ending is more satisfying because it feels more genuine. I get that. So you notice with a lot of my movies, they, they all end like, Oh, we're going to have a great time. Everything's Oh no. Oh no. Now that's, that's bad. Everything's bad. It's like there are, as
0: it should be, there are two different types of people and there's a different ending to the movie Brazil for each one of them. (laughs) (laughs) There's the, the happy ending and the definitely not happy ending. So yeah. awesome. I dig that. I disappointed in myself on the fact that I didn't think of the purge at all when coming up with concepts for this. Cause that's such a, that's such a obvious, uh, turn, you know, that you can, yeah, it's a,
3: it's a good modern fit in my mind. But like I said, I was just, I was having trouble wrapping my mind around this, this ancient concept of what street gangs are. And it, it just made it hard to, it made it hard to do this for me. I'm like, if we make a warriors movie about street gangs, I don't know what street gangs look like in 2022. Uh, like I they, they sell drugs and make money, but I don't even know what the culture looks like that surrounds that. Cause I don't listen to the kids music. You know, I I've seen some of their rappers. They don't look tough, but I'm sure that <laughs> anybody can be tough with a gun and, yeah. So yeah, I don't know.
0: We are not of the age to be able to write like really affecting uh, stories about like gang violence in America in 2022. Like we're. Yeah. we Yeah. We don't have that. Uh,
3: we could maybe make a movie about gang violence in the 90s as it translates to 2022 and then it'd be all wrong and people would come <laughs> and see it and be like, what are you talking about, that, old man? It would be funny because basically of how, like they did with the Warriors.
0: Yeah. How to, out of touch <laughs> it is uh, would be pretty yeah. fucking funny. Um, okay. So we've got are real takes out of uh, out of the way here I think both are really interesting um, plays on the Warriors and also further proof that like this was a hard one to adapt. It is Truly it's, it's a one.
3: very period specific movie mm-hmm.
0: And so yeah, try to put that in a modern light either that or you're doing it as a period piece that takes place in like late 70s, early 80s and in which case, what are you doing to uh, in- improve the story like what are you what are you doing if you're making it a period piece? is there something else that wasn't said? This is a pretty simple film. It it wasn't trying yeah. to say a lot. It was... Uh,
3: yeah, if you make it a period movie, it's the Warriors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, do you really I don't want to say it's a perfect movie, but it does what it does very effectively. Yeah,
0: and I don't think it needs to be remade to be the same kind of movie. It would need to ha- say something else. So my remix definitely says something else, and that's the next part that we're going into <laughs> is our
3: remix. Remix! can <laughs> <laughs> wiki wiki wiki
0: i need to wear jackets so i can just do the zipper thing for the remix we'll remember that for next time yeah i'm sure that will only be a help uh to or some corduroy so you can wipe your sleeves together and you know i used to do that when i wore corduroy back in my youth (laughs) it's a shameful
3: it's an example of my oldness because i had corduroy as well okay cool (laughs) i think it's a it's a place in time so my remix uh we are going to the land of fantasy
0: a little bit and I wanted to imagine what happens when you take the premise of the Warriors and you don't do a whole lot of difference to it, but you make it in a more uh, post-apocalyptic dystopian environment. And let's say if you were to uh, look at as a blueprint on how to do this movie, uh, Beyond Thunderdome, that there's this these little burrows in New York that are controlled by powerful uh, divas that are uh, maintaining different boroughs of new york and they're fighting amongst one another until one diva stands up above all of them and says we can work together and we'll have more power until somebody kills that diva and then it's such a tragedy that uh the basically the whole world turns on that gang uh to try to get them because the diva is dead and so you need a (laughs) diva that that's a believable response that if that happened to them the world would burn um, <laughs> it would just burn down. And, uh, so,
3: oh, they kill Beyonce. That's yeah. Uh, grammar series <laughs>
0: uh, uh, Cyrus in this version of, of this, uh, film is, uh, Beyonce because I mean, really, I was thinking of doing like a classic <laughs> diva, like a Diana Ross or a Madonna or something, but I wanted it to stay relatively modern, um, with the characters and who's a bigger diva like queen then Beyonce and like no one other divas...
3: oh your breadcrumb controlled my mind and made me choose the right answer oh.
0: <laughs> um yeah Beyonce like other divas bow to her so um it it's made sense that <laughs> and also Beyonce though very talented not a terrible actress but also not the most historically uh involved in
3: film she did an Austin Powers movie and I think that was about it yeah Beyonce her. was never a uh a good actress she's i don't okay. think she had the potential to be a good actress I yeah that, that wasn't just i think we talked about this before but that's just not her particular bag yeah
0: so giving her a smaller role that's still very important it made sense to me but uh the gangs i just took kind of like the leaders of the gangs are they uh are the pop divas and then you fill them in mm-hmm. with their dancers as uh <laughs> as the rest of the gang um, so is this is going to be a musical Oh, yeah, 100%. It's going to be musical. Um, (laughs) And so for the Warriors, I wanted, yeah, uh, a modern but still relatively seasoned uh, pop singer that can, you know, maybe take the helm of, like, leader of pop, um, (laughs) as so many are wanting to do. Uh, So Gaga is uh, the Warriors. I knew uh, it! I knew it! Yeah. (laughs) surprisingly good actress uh, so she can deal with the amount of screen time that Swan has uh, for the Warriors Um, he's a good actress Yep, and of course Gaga's going to be part of this conversation when you're talking pop divas for the rogues for the the gang that pinned the murder of Beyonce on poor Lady Gaga uh, that was all Billie Eilish's fault (laughs) Billie Eilish, the (laughs) new kid on the block that just likes to cause trouble um, we've got Bailey Eilish cause she likes doing stuff like that.
3: Yeah. And then she's but, actually not bad when she was on SNL, she was actually pretty decent. I was surprised. No, I honestly, like everything I've seen from her, I think she
0: gets picked on just because she's not really problematic. <laughs> like She's, she yeah. makes music with her brother and like is pretty chill <laughs> and probably smokes a vape pen and plays <laughs> video games, you know? Um, uh, so for the Turnbill ACs, that's the, the the bus band of, of, of ne'er-do-wells. Um, I, not for any particular reason aside from that she had to be in this film and uh, there wasn't anything about her specifically that fit any particular uh, grouping, but I think she would have a lot of fun just doing a song behind a bus chasing down uh, Lady Gaga would be very funny. Um, Lizzo is the leader
3: you know what's funny like i'm saying these in my head as you're going through the situations and i'd pick that one too that is (laughs) see what that means
0: is this is meant to be made this uh this film this pop diva post-apocalyptic warriors remake it needs to be made then we've got the the orphans uh you want somebody that's a little bit tragic that is going to feel like you know Leaning against a window while it's raining kind of vibe to it <laughs> uh, as as the orphan. So, of course, I had to go with Adele for that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, to counter that, the Baseball Furies, you, you got aggro, you got some fucking edge, um, you know, a force to be reckoned with. So Rihanna is uh, the leader of the Baseball Furies. Oh, she does have that energy. She does. She well. When you s- sing songs about whips and chains exciting you, uh, you should probably <laughs> have a little bit of that aggro edge. And then uh, the Lizzies, girl power, uh, in the Warriors, and uh, in a movie that is all about girl power, you need somebody that is ultimate like fucking like girl pop diva power. So I'm uh, I'm bringing her back from a lot of challenges she's run into in the last few years. Britney Spears is leading the Lizzie gang. And I owner a bone. I well, and I thought about Turnbill ACs, but considering they were all bald in the original movie, I didn't want to make that the joke that Britney Spears is <laughs> the leader of the bald group would be <laughs> just a little too insensitive. So uh the Lizzies made made plenty of sense too. So yeah, Britney Spears, uh, welcome. You are clearly. If you're talking about iconic pop divas, Britney Spears is absolutely part of the conversation. So.
3: I remember uh, Britney Spears has actually acted in stuff. I think, I think she was on a few things in her era. She was in a movie I mean, called uh, Crossroads where uh,
0: she did a karaoke cover of I love rock and roll in the movie. And when she was asked if she had a choice in what song to sing in the karaoke scene, um, she said, yes, um, and I picked I Love Rock and Roll because I love Pat Benatar. <laughs> <laughs> and that broke my heart as a Joan Jett fan. So uh, She was a young person. She didn't know. Yeah, she she was like probably like 17 when that movie came out. So can't hold too much of a grudge. But yeah, uh, so that's that's my pop diva post-apocalyptic musical. And <laughs> I actually found an actor that has worked with most of these uh, women on music videos and is also a very accomplished accomplished uh, director that has dealt with a lot of dystopian and po- post-apocalyptic properties. So, talk about a perfect fucking match. Um, the director of Hunger Games Catching Fire, I Am Legend, Constantine, Mockingjay, also directed videos for, amongst uh, plenty of others, but Shakira, Janet Jackson, Jennifer Lopez, Pink, Alanis Morissette, Britney Spears, Avril Lavigne, Gwen Stefani, and plenty of others is uh, Francis Lawrence is the director. Oh my. So, it was kind of like the perfect combination of things. You've got dystopian, you've got post-apocalyptic, you've got girl power. Girl power. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it, it's it's kind of a no-brainer, uh, slam dunk there. And Francis Lawrence and company. If you think that this is something that is worth going for, um, I can't write any music. That's not my. That's not my uh, angle. But if you could just throw a story by on there and throw me a few bucks, I'll uh, I'll happily <laughs> give you the ring. Yeah, you know that now.
3: movie would make so much money it It would would make so much money
0: so much money it would make incredible amounts of money it would be like the pop diva movie of all time it would be incredible (laughs) and the and the costuming i mean there'd be wardrobe people from every corner of the earth trying to work on this set for all the 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 tina turner beyond thunderdome post-apocalyptic pop diva energy would be oh my god incredible yeah
3: i mean even if if each artist only used their own like uh, cadre of stylists. There'd still be like a hundred thousand people employed by this this movie. Yep, it costume changes. Oh my god, ridiculous! Yeah. Breakaway skirts. Like
0: there'd be all, all sorts <laughs> of crazy, amazing shit that would be going on with this. So um, a, a spectacle, a spectacle to be seen. That would be the weirdest choice. This like two hundred million dollar movie with the biggest pop divas of all time, uh, based on a. Little indie, uh, cult classic film from the late seventies, early eighties. Yeah,
3: yeah. You get some K-pop stars in there, and you'd have like a movie that'd be bigger than Avatar, right? Oh
0: no, shit. You get the
3: and fair
0: enough. I'm not ever gonna fuck with the K-pop stands. Yeah, cool. But <laughs> you put your <laughs> put your folks in there. That's great. Um, or you just have a remake of this movie, uh, with just the K-pop bands. <laughs> and there you go
3: cool yeah. everybody's happy yeah my, my girlfriend would make me definitely make me see that movie with her so <laughs> so for your remix what are we looking at is yours uh pop diva centric like mine or oh uh, it's so close it's so close <laughs> but it's so not at all not even a little bit um so for my remake i wanted to once again around the concept of where people gather to form uh coalitions of common interest my movie is it's about gamers okay a- and a third of the movie takes place in the real world and th- and two-thirds of the movie takes place in the game um the in the game portion will be strictly like um, pixar level cgi uh the in the world of portion will be really intentionally static and plain The actors who live in the end of the world in the world portion don't do anything like I want the the in game portion to be big and bombastic with orchestral music and special effects, everything. And then periodically the movie cuts to the person at their computer kind of just sitting there like a lump, like a a computer zombie, like pressing the keyboard and (laughs) grunting or whatever. Nice. So. It's kind of an irreverent gamer comedy, like in the vein of free guy, but it's it's more crass. It's meaner in how it makes fun of the people in the real world. But I want I want the the game portion to be like ridiculous in how serious it takes itself. I want it to take itself so seriously that that's funny that it's taking itself like it thinks it's so important. I want that to be the funny part of the game portion. So, uh, it's a, it's like a world of Warcraft style game. Um, so high fantasy setting people have their clans. In this case, the warriors, the ones we follow are people from all over the world. And they are all kinds of people. They're kids and old people and shut-ins, even business dudes. And there is, uh, kind of a massively multiplayer, uh, dungeon, um, challenge aesthetic where these teams can fight each other in game uh what was that old <laughs> whatever the less offensive version of smear the queer i don't know if you remember that but... oh yeah Whew. that wasn't uh, a great title of a Jordan's yeah game but and i'm sure that there's a new title for what that is i don't know what it is because it's like fumble Gold, on but... fred or something i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> So the uh, the 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 games uh, server managers have made the warriors the ones they they're the ones that everybody else is coming after uh, in the process of this uh, this campaign for this evening. So it's tense. It's the warriors, this clan of nine, versus the entire game world. Uh, y- y- your clan has to be at a certain level to be in that position because you have to be powerful enough to make it a, a fun game for everybody. Mm-hmm. But uh, just through the process of attrition they die out throughout the evening, you see very melodramatic moments of losing characters that are like a uh, sad and in game, the characters like crying and being like, you will be avenged. And then you just cut to the dude in his room. Just click, click, <laughs> click, click, click. click. Uh, just like a little, popcorn, little popcorn, drool, popcorn. like off the corner of his <laughs> <laughs> mouth, yeah. eating Cheetos, cold red mountain deer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So for my directors and there's only one reason I chose these guys. It was because of one episode of their TV show, but it's Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. They did I, a World of Warcraft episode it's of incredible. South Park. That might be one of the best episodes of that kind of TV ever made. It is hilarious. It was so spot on in the moment uh, of its time, which cartoons never do. They're always like years behind. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I love that episode. And it's very funny. I don't know if South Park is still funny, but at that time it was still very funny. So uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone are the directors. I'm actually not using any big name actors in this. All of the actors are voice actors. Like you could have big name actors as the people that don't do anything. Sure, I hadn't really considered it, but the the funny part there would be that they they're there, but they don't do anything. That's not the but, plot, uh,
0: really. Yeah. <laughs>
3: But in the game world, uh, I'm, I'm using actual voice actors because that's something that, that people complain about all the time. Hiring big stars from the age of Aladdin, from uh, Robin Williams, blowing that up and them not doing, you know, Robin Williams is the exception, but them not generally doing as well as an actual voice actor would. Yeah, fair. So uh, in game as Swan, I have Troy Baker, huge antic voice actor. And these people voice acting is a profession where you voice act in tv and in games some people are known more for their game voice acting some people are known more for their um their animation voice acting but troy baker is uh he's joel from the last of us but he's kind of a young guy so he's also like a bunch of other stuff as a young guy's he got like a, a lot of range nice um as ajax i have nolan north Nolan North was Drake from the Uncharted games, but also has a lot of range. So if you ever played the uh, the the Arkham City or Arkham Asylum games, he was the Penguin. He was Cockney Penguin. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, just a lot of range. Uh, as Mercy, we have Tara Strong. Tara Strong is the probably the biggest of the lady voice actors. Um, she's done so many roles. I think the one that comes to mind immediately is that she is... So uh, Tara Strong is a famous voice actor. She's probably the most famous voice actress. She was on Powerpuff Girls. I believe she was Raven on Teen Titans Go, any number of things. So she's my mercy. But yeah, just a bunch of voice actors um, providing actual voices. As Luther, we have Patrick Seitz, who is like an anime villain guy. His, his, his career is voicing anime villains. Nice. Uh, and as cyrus i wanted to get this in specifically we have kevin michael richardson and kevin michael richardson is like the default black guy on like um uh lots of stuff anytime you hear a deep voiced black guy in kids animation it's kevin michael richardson he's uh steve's high school principal on american dad okay (laughs) that's that's kevin michael richardson nice so my concept is is around those two it's it's around the cgi game world which is most of the movie the people at home just just being video game zombies the night ends climactic battle celebration most of the warriors have survived the night there's tears and drinking and much praise is given and then we just have a montage of people signing out of their computers and just kind of sitting there with their Mountain Dew and Cheetos. And, uh, and the movie just ends with these people, like looking at this blank computer screen. Damn. So yeah, you do like a, uh, a sad (laughs) ending for sure.
0: (laughs) Nice. But I, I like that point that's coming across is that, yeah, like all this jubilation, all this excitement, this, you know, amazing thing that occurred, but in the end of the day, that's just a video game. It's not giving your life any of that. You know, besides that, very temporary feeling of success
3: and and community and, and community, community.
0: And, and community, sure, sure. <laughs>
2: All
0: right, so we've got one last little bit to do before we get out of here, and that's our uh, trailers. I think uh, mashing up the warriors will be very much fun to do on a, on a mini episode moving forward in the future. There's already like three or four ideas that are circling around in my brain that are, are oh, pretty, definitely uh, pretty easy to combined so that'll be a lot of fun but for our trailers i'm definitely doing the adam mckay one because the francis lawrence one would require me to sing in a uh, lady songs (laughs) and that is not my strong not that i wouldn't i absolutely would there's no fear about me singing lady parts in songs it's that i don't want to like not have any audience left after (laughs) this episode so i'm gonna adam mckay it up um Are you doing your... Which one are you doing?
3: Man, um... I don't know. I think it might be easier to find music for the Purge one, so I think I'll do the Purge one. Okay, cool. Let me get that queued up.
1: From the director that brought you Don't Look Up, The Other Guys, Vice and Anchorman comes a story of the fight that it takes to find togetherness. Join director Adam McKay as he weaves a tapestry of political intrigue and infighting as one politician that can change everything falls from grace with a bullet. And the warriors are blamed for it. Warriors played by Seth Rogen, Jonah Hill, Chief Bearshell, Martin Starr, Jason Segel, Chris Vince and I'm not naming all the people in this movie. <laughs> They're played by the Rogues, played by Broken Lizard and everyone involved with Broken Lizard. Uh, they have to make their way to Coney Island where their offices are, are held before the streaming universe uh, finds a way and an angle to make them look even worse. This summer, political intrigue and the comedy elite join forces in Adam McKay's Warriors. Take
3: my money, <laughs> right? I'm gonna slick back my hair for that screening. Wear a pinstripe shirt with a white collar, and yeah, the whole nine yards. <laughs> Do the
0: whole nine yards. The combo that I never understood at all is the the blue shirt with the white. Collar and uh and the cuffs as well are white. Right? Yeah, Is the weird, suspenders. That's a weird look. I don't know why that's a thing that people do, <laughs> but
3: okay. Um I, I guess so. Yeah. Universal so, sign that you know I have money and probably that I'm old. Yeah, definitely because if <laughs> you rock
0: that look. There's no youths out there wearing the blue shirt with a white collar.
3: <laughs> All right. So you are doing you're doing the purge one, right? I am doing the purge one. I don't if I didn't mention it in the show because I don't remember if I did, my director is James DeMonico, who directed the Purge trilogy and almost nothing else. So yeah. Nice. Putting that out there. Excellent. Cool.
0: Well, I am ready when you are. Let's do it. Cool. Here we go.
2: America's the body. The new founding fathers are the infection. And the cure is the Warriors. In the fight against the Purge, the Warriors and other community groups have come together to protect Americans from the purgers and the philosophies of the new founding Fathers. But in a terrible turn of events, the organizer of the community protection groups has been murdered. And it's up to the Warriors to defend their name from the accusation of crime director James DeMonaco's The Purge, The Warriors. As J.D. Smith as Rembrandt, because he can't fight. <laughs> Tanner Buchanan, Cameron Monaghan, Harry, Star Fox Styles, Ashton Sanders, and Yara Shahidi set out to defend their name from the violence of The Purge and the violence of their brothers in arms. Will they survive the night? In James' demonic the purge. The warriors coming to something. Yay!
0: <laughs> that is a kind of a no-brainer combo. I, I love that. That's great. Ooh, I struggled with that one.
2: <laughs> Ooh, yeah.
0: This is definitely this was a uh, knockdown, dragout uh, battle for a remake and reimagining on this episode. But I think, considering the circumstances, we pretty did a pretty decent job. I mean. This is one of those, like, almost unadaptable, like, or unmodernizable movies uh, without it coming off as, like, either completely tone deaf or, uh, or yeah, old dudes writing stuff that they don't have any understanding of. So, well, yeah, I guess fully agree.
3: Yeah. No, I came into this thinking I got nothing, and I, I'm actually very satisfied with the uh, the outcome. That's kind
0: of the fun on these episodes is when it's like, fuck,
3: I don't know. <laughs> Let's throw it at the, <laughs> stuff at the wall,
0: see what sticks. And uh, we we saw some uh, warriors reimagining stick on this episode. So if you like this one, if you liked other episodes of Smack My Pitch Up, make sure to rate, review, subscribe or anywhere you can do that. Uh, follow the other shows on the Geeks Under the Influence Network at gui podcast uh, Join Tom. and hit us
3: up on the Smack My Pitch Up Twitter account.
0: Yeah, I I unfortunately for uh, everybody's health and well being, I turned over the reins. Well, not over the reins, but I. Handed some of the reins over to Tondi for our uh, Twitter account. So engage us. <laughs> engage us, yes. And uh also Tondi, you have a other podcast that you do that people yes, should check out.
3: My handle is Jonathan Blade. I actually just released an episode this week. Uh this week's conversation is tech. Not really a conversation, it's just me bebopping and scatting about tech, but it's very interesting to me. So Hit me up, check me out. Excellent. My handle is Jonathan Blade.
0: Sweet. So make sure to rate and review and subscribe to that one as well. And we'll find you next time for another episode of Smack My Pitch Up. Thank you so much for sticking around. Uh, we'll find you next time. And uh, you, you, you came out to play with smacks of pitches.
3: Listeners, come out to get smacks. <laughs>
1: Podcast.com.
3: Panthers! Meow!
0: Mike the Hobbit here. Lowdown Brown. Inviting you to check out Geek Some of the Influence, a podcast that pairs booze with conversation with good friends. And a little nerd culture. We get a lot of colorful conversation out of our episodes, but... It is here for everyone. No gatekeeping. Always level up everything we do. We'll punch up, never punch down. Exactly. So check out Geeks Under the Influence everywhere you get your podcasts and join us or die. Shut the fuck up, Hobbit.
3: Welcome to GUI Nights.
0: GUI Nights. And we are the Geek Fathers. That's right, bringing all the trials and tribulations of being a geeky parent. So, welcome to our world. And as always, join us or cry.
3: Coming straight from the mouths of Madness, I'm Lowdown. I'm F.U.
0: Hunter.
1: Do you love horror? We fucking do. So this is a podcast dedicated to all things in cinematic horror. We're talking movies, television, composers, special effects artists.
0: We're going to fucking cover it. So if you love horror, embrace the madness. In a world of blockbuster movies, there is another dimension.
3: The dimension of schlock cinema. Join us at beautiful disasters on a journey into the fringe territory of b-movie abandon
0: we review the flicks that are forgotten or underappreciated to give them a proper place in the annals of celluloid history i'm the
3: groots f you hunter your guides at beautiful disasters come along with us for a fun ride may, may the
1: flock be
3: with you, be with you.